Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 47. Just wanted to... Okay, so some things to get out of the way, first and foremost. Uh, for those that didn't listen to the little mini-sode, in which I get kind of angry, um, More Than One Lesson has been nominated once again for a podcast award, uh, as has uh, Battleship Pretension, which is very exciting. This is the first year for that. So uh, voting, you can vote once a day, uh, and incidentally... Uh, not that I want to influence you, but you can also vote once per email address. So if, like myself, you have several, who's to say you can't use all of them? Not me. So anyway, uh, so go to uh, podcastwards.com, vote for more than one lesson in the religion inspiration category. While you're there, if you felt like uh, going over to Battleship Pretension in the movies category and voting for that, uh, I would not oppose it. So, uh, And I appreciate, again, uh, everybody that uh, submitted the show. Um, it's kind of cool being nominated three years in a row um as always i because i don't have a huge listenership i really have no expectation of winning but you never know so um so thanks everybody for that and like i said you can do it once a day and i would appreciate any any help that i could get so that's the first thing second thing uh as i as i mentioned in the minisode and as we sort of talked about in the last episode so Josh is uh, very busy with the film that he is assistant director on, uh, and so he is actually not here today. Um, but and I and I'm not sure if he. I think he'll be here for the next episode. I'm not a hundred percent on that. Uh, either way, we have a guest this time, and I think we'll probably have a guest uh, next time as well. So if Josh isn't here, uh, then I will at least have someone else to talk to, and you won't have to listen to just me by myself. Because uh, even, even I've gotten tired of that at this point. So, but here's the thing: I'm going to give some intro and some background. Um, so I do, as I mentioned, I do have a guest, and as you saw in the uh, in the show description, his name is uh, Toby Miley. Um, and uh, so this is someone I went to high school with in Denver, ninety six, ninety seven, and into ninety eight a little bit. Uh, he and I were part of the same uh, theater department. I don't remember if we were in any plays together. You can jump on mic now if you want there, Toby. On mic right now. There um, you go. Yeah, I don't know if we were in any plays together. Or I if was we only just... in two. What were you in? I was in Look Homeward Angel. Okay. And Hotel Paradiso. I got to tell you, those were fantastic and I wasn't neither one. Okay. So. <laughs> was, your, was your brother in Hotel, Par- uh, Hotel Paradiso? You know, I your, bro- review, your brother was also involved in the right theater department. Um, as much as a fan of my older brother's theater resume, I actually am not sure if okay. he was in those. All right, 
I really thought you were going to go the different directions. Like as much of a fan as I am of my older brother, I really, we haven't spoken in years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, we speak. Like I just never the topic of what played in high school hadn't really come up recently. Okay, so. so, well, I have a good memory for this sort of thing, and I seem to I thought I, I seem to recall one of the Miley brothers being involved in that. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so it's kind of weird because um, when I moved to Los Angeles. I had another friend from Denver named David Grauberger that I went to church with in Denver. Right. I did not know him in context of you. I knew you at school. I knew him at church. So anyway, he was out here and, uh, and he showed me a little video that he had made. It was magical. Yeah. About uh, like a spec commercial for Pizza Hut or something. Is that what it was? No. It looks so... so <laughs> so that was me jumbling my words, being a little nervous on your podcast. Oh, that's dude. All right. This is an award-winning podcast, and I'm it's, nervous. Uh, nominated, please. Well, I just Let's set up ahead of ourselves. I set up 47 emails, and I've already voted, so <laughs> it's gonna win. Now we're talking. No, so that was, and it, this shows you like the kind of bizarre stuff you get into as an actor, like in, in terms of distribution. But um, so that was an in-network like commercials for uh dental offices so offices so like the tvs would be showing these kind of like commercials of these like sort of psas and my whole thing was like i delivered this pizza and i was like oh you don't know how much plaque is on your right almost as much pepperoni and so david directed these uh kind of essentially comedic shorts i wound up writing 50 of those actually through whoa through david. so Ra- yeah and so he had made that right i think as a way of like was it sort of pitching himself? Cause Correct. And they ended up using okay. a few, probably that you wrote. Uh, yeah, probably, yeah, they used a lot you of... You wrote, I acted in them, no connection, besides yeah. high school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's very, it's very unusual, stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and I knew David was in the area because he happened to uh, walk into the blockbuster that I worked at when I first moved out here. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I remember, but when he showed me the commercial saying like, hey, this is this is what I'm doing and uh, the people that I'm working with need more scripts if you're looking for writing work. And I said, yeah, sure. And so I looked and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> What's that guy's name? He looks very familiar. He's like, his name's Toby. I was like, is it Toby Miley? He said, yeah. I was like, wow. I went to school with him in Denver. Did you know him in Denver? I don't think you guys knew each other in Denver. No, no way. Yeah. Not at all. So... Two people with a Denver connection, and that I knew separately in completely different contexts. We all found each other in we Los found Angeles, each other. and I didn't know that you acted in some of those things. I acted in two of them. Oh, really? Yeah, that's awesome. Talking about uh, t- <laughs> talking about uh, oral cancer. Um, yeah, there I you had go. a dog next to me for some reason. I don't know why. Why would you? And then a talking about I've, root canals. I feel like if David listens to this, he'll be like. That was my masterpiece. <laughs> he didn't, to my knowledge, he didn't direct those. That was, oh, uh, really? and I don't didn't... remember the name of the of the directors, but uh, but he was involved. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, it was an interesting uh, process writing them. Because yeah. Because here's what happens: they get they say here's the list of topics. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so you do the research, and then you try, then you write them, and you try to make them conversational because you realize like, no right. one's, you know. People, lay people are going to be watching these and totally confused totally confused so yeah. so i would write them in a way that's like okay well how does a how does a lay person think of a root canal pain okay right so i'm going to talk about it from that standpoint no problem so what they do then is they would take the script you wrote 
they would give it to their consultant who was a dentist mm-hmm. to like look over all the facts that you say he would rewrite it and then that's the end so they would go with that's tough the final draft yeah. was what the dentist wrote and incidentally dentists aren't writers <laughs> so i acted in one of the uh little films that i ostensibly wrote about root canals and uh and i was just reading off the teleprompter and i was like i don't know what i'm saying and i wrote I wrote something like this. You're like, is this a medical journal or a it's, script? <laughs> exactly. And so, uh, so yeah, that was a fun experience. Oh, well, I got paid. Um, <laughs> and that's a, the moral of this lesson. <laughs> there is only one lesson in this podcast. <laughs> you, and it's you got to get paid. Do what you got to do. But, uh, but yeah, and so, uh, so I knew that you, were, that you were out here. We talked briefly, and then we happened to run into each other at a Target in North Hollywood on the 4th of July. Uh, a year or two ago, wow! And yeah. uh, and then I was like, "Hey, it's Toby." And then we went to lunch, and uh, and I found out our friend Toby successful. <laughs> He's doing great. I think if you Google me, successful dot com will come up. <laughs> no, it won't. Did you won't. found successful dot com? <laughs> no, wouldn't that be funny though? If you just like figured out a way that if you googled yourself, a bunch of like funny images that you select would come up. That would be awesome. Gosh, that's a great tech idea. Someone come up with that. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably a way to actually do that. But, uh, but yeah, no, for me, I do, uh, I, there's not a lot of Toby Miley's out there. If you, if you Google a Toby Miley. Yeah. You, you know, right I think up. the, the, the kind of like unique advantage I have of the mm-hmm. Toby Miley is my name is spelled so bizarrely. It is frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I've got longtime friends that call me Muley. Yeah. So anyway, M E U L I. That's the name. No. Continue though. <laughs> yeah, uh, when I Google, so your your first page, first entry, I assume, Toby Miley, successfulactor.com. Right. Okay. Successfulactor.com. Yeah. Um, you Google Tyler Smith, and I'm maybe on like page 15, because there's a basketball player named Tyler Smith. Okay. And also there's a Tyler, Texas in Smith County. That shows up before me. And uh, it'll get, get me eventually. I've been saddled with a last name that is not quite <laughs> as unique as yours. But um, but let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, All right. I'm trying to think if we go to the very beginning or work our way backwards. I think we'll go to the beginning. Okay. So, Toby, take us back. Yes. Childhood or whatever. Whatever you want to do. So, you, where, were you, uh, where were you born and raised? Born and raised. So, I was born actually out here um, mm-hmm. in uh, Orange County, in Mission Viejo. Okay. My dad was in the Marines. So we're moving around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was born here. And then uh, we sort of migrated to Parker, Colorado, yep. which um, is, we say Denver, but it's uh, that's where we grew up. But it, yeah, Parker's a, a suburb. And so people from that area are like, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe this will generate Parker pride or something. <laughs> is there such a thing? I don't know. Maybe maybe this is the start. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that's where uh, Parker Denver area is where I'm from and went to mm-hmm. high school. Um, and that's where we met at a Ponderosa high school there. Yeah. And then I went, um, to, uh, I went to Baylor university mm-hmm. down in Texas and I, uh, majored in theater down there and then, and then moved out here. I like to say I went to, uh, went to Waco, which is where Baylor is. Oh, nice. People have the, uh, David Koresh yeah. sort of association. So I went to Waco and picked up, a. Uh, a girl and a theater degree and moved out to LA. <laughs> so. 
it started turning into like a film noir at the end. I know. Picked up a girl and a degree and a gun and uh, uh, s- hightailed it to Los Angeles. I Yeah, that's pretty much, I mean, that's sort of accurate. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, but, uh, so, okay. So that's the, the when, when did you move out here? Yeah, those are really broad strokes. That's um, all right. The, uh, we'll fill them in. I moved out here, I guess, about six and a half years ago now. Okay. So, like, I graduated. Well, so, at in high school, we, our theater program had a good, um, like, theater, I don't know, legacy? Is that the right word? Or, like, pedigree? Uh, yeah, I could I see felt that, yeah. like, uh, yeah, there was a, a, a big, good theater program that you were in for two years, three, maybe, mm-hmm. two and a half. And... Yeah. Um, and so like, that was kind of where my interest was peaked and as a, as an actor, et cetera. And then I hurt my knee playing football and that was kind of my main deal is playing sports. Mm -hmm. And then when that happened, I was like, Oh, kind of interested in, uh, in doing some theater and with the idea of going to LA. So all I'd say to answer your question, like I was at Baylor majoring in theater, but I pretty much knew I wanted to come to LA. Mm -hmm. So the summer after my freshman year, I just drove out here. And try to just like get um, work doing whatever, you know, just like odd jobs, Mm -hmm. taking acting classes and stuff like that. And so um, I was pretty familiar with L.A. Mm -hmm. as a city, as a a place to be an actor by the time I eventually uh, moved out um, right out of school. So and so uh, I guess I guess to go back a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. what uh, what first interested you in in acting? Because that's, you know, I, to yeah. be honest, it, this is not necessarily an unusual thing, but, you know, you were a football guy, and right. you, there's not a lot of uh, overlap. There's some, but not yeah. a lot of overlap between, like, someone who does football and then goes and acts in, in the theater department. Right. You know, I, I think, like, just from a young age, being uh, wanting to just be, like, goofy for mm-hmm. people and uh, kind of hamming it up, you know? And yeah. so... I think, um, I don't know. I was always sort of interested in like actors and what they did, et cetera. But like growing up in Denver, you know, you know, zero people who are professional actors. Um, so I guess I, um, got introduced to like, I don't know, sort of improv comedy and just being stupid, like in a theater class really. Hmm. And then, um, went to uh yeah like auditioned for a play and was in uh the ensemble of how to succeed in business without really trying mm-hmm. and i was like oh i'm gonna be so goofy on stage <laughs> and the director's like you know you can't you know try to steal the show all the time there's a play going on um and then i went and uh with a f- another friend uh went to like an acting studio in downtown denver um that was like we trained professional actors here and um a lot of kind of local actors that do local commercials or theater or whatever would study there and so that was kind of where i was introduced as acting as like a serious craft as well as a um like way to monetize that Mm -hmm. and it was um a little bit i don't know overwhelming at first but uh I don't know. I think we all have that moment where there's uh, some applause or some like laughter or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I could do this. I could do this for a while. 
And it's interesting because you mentioned like the laughter and the applause. That is instant. That's instant gratification. You right. hear you hear people talk a lot about this, like people who started in theater and then transitioned into film. Right. And they talk about the frustration of, well, I'm doing what I think is right and I think my instincts are correct. But of course, the only way to know, I, I won't know for nine months whether my instincts were right. Not to mention the director and editor can change it completely. And so, you know, you hear people kind of lament like, oh, I miss theater. And so the idea of getting a pl- getting the applause, being in the spotlight, center of attention, and getting you know immediate laughter and knowing that what you're doing is working, that is very distinct to theater. Right. And so, um, was there was there a reason that uh, that you decided like, well, I enjoy this, but I think film is the way to film and television is the way to go. Well, early on. I mean, this may surprise you because mm-hmm. you know what amazing singing voice I have, but I decided, you know, I don't know if I'm really a singer, even though I was in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying mm-hmm. in high school and freaking killed it. But <laughs> I <laughs> I kind of thought um, that I wouldn't go to New York and try to emphasize in theater because I wasn't really a musical guy. Um, and so that, so sort of by default, I, um, made my way to LA also because I, I think I just, I just loved movies mm-hmm. growing up, you know, similar to you probably. I mean, obviously. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. And I think that there's a certain transition that actors have to make that I've made and I've seen other successful actors make. And that's that moving away from a place of really needing applause and like mm-hmm. needing external affirmation mm-hmm. to like really the rework as a reward in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So that I think speaks to a maturity of craft, but um, the like knowing if something's working or not is like mm-hmm. still something I really struggle with of being yeah. on set and like maybe a few crew guys laugh, but like they're busy working, you know, they're busy making sure you're lit. Right. Yeah. Um, and hey, union guys. Right. What do, you, what do you think of this I'm doing over here? Hey, guys, is this funny? Where, where are you going? Is this funny? And everyone's like, oh, geez, stop bothering me. So I think that like, yeah, film is film and television is, is hard in that way. And that I'm not I don't know if something's funny or something's interesting or if it's working no. really, you know, whereas and I have done a fair amount of theater out here in L.A. Mm-hmm. And it's been uh, incredibly rewarding. Um if only because it's for the love of it, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to have a, like if you're in the chorus of a big Broadway musical, you might have what a couple thousand people in the yeah. st- audience. But, uh, you know, here you're lucky if you're in a theater that seats over a hundred because of, uh, space and union rules and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, so that's been like great to just stay alive as an actor, you know, and really feel alive as a, as a performer. Hmm. Um, but then, of course, you know, you've got the same craft, only there's two people watching when you're doing film and television. And, you know, it's, uh, it's an, I remember when I first went off to film school in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I would, uh, there, is, there is something, you come to realize, like, oh, I, I can act, which is invaluable when I'm making the movies. Because right. it's like, all right, I know I've got one part filled with me, and mm-hmm. it's not a problem. So I would act in, in other people's films, and I had friends that would act in mine. Uh, but because I came from theater, the, v- the very first thing I acted in, it was, a, it was silent. 
Right. So, you know, you got to be a little bit bigger anyway. But uh, I remember going back and looking at that right. film and being like, oh, my gosh, I think I might be the worst actor ever <laughs> because it was so over the top. It was so big yeah. because, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but, you know, you're playing to the back row right. but with a camera. The back row is six. It can be six inches from your face. Right. And so did you find that transition difficult at all? Or did you I mean, you said you, you know, kind of look yeah. at some classes and that kind of thing. But, you know, I feel like I'm still transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I heard Hugh Jackman say one time that like his top hundred moments as an actor have been on stage. Hmm. And I think that's really right. Like there's something that's really frightening and exhilarating about being on stage um, in a play. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so the transition is to like take those skills into a film and television setting. And I think that what has helped me is to... Um, to have that moment where like you recognize that your skills need um, growth and need adapting Mm -hmm. in order to fit like a new medium. And that's, that's continuing to happen for me Um, in the way of like doing a television show is different than doing a commercial is different than doing a play is different than doing a commercial for dental hygiene, medical (laughs) jargon etc you know and i think like the actor i really admire is one that can go from different mediums but also different styles etc you know and like Mm -hmm. to be a a working actor i mean even like no matter i mean any any professional actor is doing a lot of different stuff the guys i respect like working comedy or drama or whatever and that's really where I want to go is to be able to do different types of movies and, and jump through kind of different, I guess styles is probably genres Mm -hmm. styles is the best term. And that's something I'm continuing to learn. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a good transition uh, into uh, another uh, question that I was going to ask you, which is, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, like just liking movies as you were growing up. Right. Um, what are some of the, well, I was going to say, what are some of the movies you liked when you were growing up? <laughs> well, I, I don't stand by a lot of the movies I liked when I was growing up, right? but, uh, except for Jaws, but, uh, so I won't ask that, but what I will say is as you were kind of zeroing in on, on acting, whether it be, you know, high school theater or college or whatever, um, what are some of the films that, that really kind of like, Oh my gosh, that's a great film. And then maybe a little a sort of a sub questioner is, uh, you know, who are some of the actors that you that you pointed to then and maybe even in some cases still point to now and say, that's what I want to be. That's exactly what I want to be. Yeah. Um, well, the first memory I have of that is Ace Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Only because I don't know what it was. How old were we when that came out? Well, that was 93, I believe. So, so I yeah, 11. 11. Say. So I think that's like just about the age where maybe like it was a little naughty for us, but yeah. like we still saw it. And um, there was, I don't know, like I just remember quoting that endlessly with my friends. <laughs> and I was in a seventh grade drama class and the t- teacher was like, you act like Jim Carrey too much. <laughs> And I was like, uh, okay, still looking for a problem in that note, but <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I respect it. Thank you so it. much. I know. Oh. Um, Holy Testicle so, Tuesday. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> and so I would like, I would quote that all the time, you know. And you know what? Actually, my parents would, my parents liked Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. growing up. And so, like, I would imitate people on Saturday Night Live doing impersonations of people I didn't know. Okay. So, like, I would imitate, like, Robin Leach. <laughs> And I, I had no idea who Robin Leach was, but I was nine years old and imitating, I don't know, Chevy Chase or whoever did that. Mm-hmm. Phil Hartman, maybe. I don't know. I can see Phil Hartman doing yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and so those are some like early memories. And then Jim Carrey was a, was a big one. And when Dumb and Dumber came out, I mean, like just, and I feel like it was that stage from like 11 to into high school, 14, where it was like, um, I don't know, you... Everybody in your group was funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like all the, the guys would try to kind of out silly each other. Mm-hmm. And so I was definitely part of that chaos. Um, but then I remember um, Braveheart, uh, Gladiator, mm-hmm. kind of seen Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. seen movies that were really epic um, and being blown away by the acting and the the storytelling a field of dreams was a favorite one growing up um so flight of the navigator which i do not stand by today (laughs) yeah that's the one where the machine turns into Pee Wee herman essentially right basically yeah yeah. no thank you it was it was like one of those movies where you you think this is so magical and then it's on tv randomly today and you think that was a terrible choice um (laughs) for me to watch uh, what's what's some other one? Back to the Future. Yeah, all the all those movies were great, and yeah, I mean, Flight of the Navigator is the only one that I I would probably you know Distance discredit today. Up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was yeah. And then I think when the Oscars came out, and I was in high school, I started to get aware of um, that these movies were good, you know, mm-hmm. and that just the like, summer blockbuster wasn't all there was, right. you know. And uh, Jim Carrey was. There were other people, other actors out there besides him. Um, And then I would just see, like in November and December, just see all those movies. And my family would go to the movies growing up. And so that was uh, really exciting. I was trying to push my parents to take us to the movies, et cetera. And you know, what what you uh, brought up specifically with like Braveheart and Gladiator. It's interesting you bring that up from a standpoint of acting. Not that you necessarily did, but um, because... It's notable that Russell Crowe won his only uh, Oscar for Gladiator. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm the first to say that the Oscars don't necessarily mean everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, People look back and say like, oh, Roberto Benigni over Ian McKellen, Edward Norton, Nick Nolte, and Tom Hanks. Right. Okay. That happens. But... The the point that I wanted to make is like, when you think of Gladiator... You yeah. think of Russell Crowe. When you think of Braveheart, you think of Mel Gibson. And not just because he directed it. He's front and center. When you think of Kingdom of Heaven, if you think of it, which many people don't, and rightfully so, do you think of Orlando Bloom? No, not no, at all. You don't. Because it takes an act, like a real actor. Not that I, I don't think Orlando Bloom is bad. And I think he's actually pretty good in the film. Right. But it's a certain, it's, like you said, it's a certain genre Mm-hmm. And you need to meet the requirements of that genre. You need to fill that film with right. your presence. And 
Mel Gibson does it. Russell Crowe does it. I'm, I don't think Brad Pitt is particularly good in Troy. I don't think that's his fault. I think he's a modern actor put in a film he never should have been in in the first place. But he does okay with it. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's at least charismatic enough to, to make it work. Um, and Eric Bana, I think, is awesome. Right. But, um, but like something like Kingdom of Heaven, you find like, wow. You wouldn't expect that in an epic movie that the acting would be so important. But man, it, it is. It's it's how we se- it's how we buy the reality of what's going on. Jurassic Park, another good example. Right. We're watching ridiculous things. Right. Things that could never happen. But when we see Laura Dern take off her sunglasses, seeing the Brachiosaurus, you know right. what I mean. Moments like that sell the reality. Mm-hmm. So it does. So like, some would say that a certain genre, the acting doesn't really matter. Yeah. But you would say, I would say, in a, in that genre that you think it doesn't matter, it matters even more because that's the only that's our in, right? And uh, and so, it's interesting to me that uh, the the films that you point out as being like so so influential and formative and and kind of got you taking movies seriously in a in a different way in a much more substantial right. way. Right. Um, now, are there aside from uh, Jim Carrey? When is the last time you you saw Ace Ventura? I haven't seen it. It's in been years. a few years, yeah. I don't know. I watched it uh, a part of it recently on TV, like a couple years ago. I mean, recently yeah. compared to when it came out. So, I don't think I realized this when I was a kid, but I think now the character of Ace Ventura is so over the top and ridiculous. It's almost experimental, right? I think it's an experimental movie. I think it really <laughs> could be called an experimental movie. I think they just like who directed that? Did Shadyac? Did he or was it? I don't remember. It might have been him. Yeah. yeah, I think he did the set- second one. I don't remember if he did the first. Right. Yeah, it was just like based around this character, which mm-hmm. I think is a tough sell these days. I don't think that really happens anymore. Hmm. I think, I will say this, uh, I think I think the move has been, and this is not necessarily a bad move, but I think in comedy, the emphasis is more on ensemble. Right. Um, not really one person. Like even something like Austin Powers it it may have been Mike Myers, but it was still Austin Powers and Doctor right. Evil. Like it was still it was two characters, um, but yeah, I mean it was all it was all Ace. Yeah, which no you know went to see it for Tone Loke. Right. <laughs> Where's that guy? I don't know. I miss some Tone Loke. I miss his voice. It's oh, soothing yeah. and yet so attractive. Um. Yeah, I I mean I think to speak to that. Uh, about great actors being like selling the reality of even something ridiculous Mm -hmm. you know i think something that i realized i was doing was from an early age and this goes across the board for mediums was judging the material or judging the medium Mm -hmm. and when it first came out here well and really until now like um my acting career so far financially has been fueled by commercials Mm -hmm. and i think it is easy for me to judge commercials as silly as like all about the selling whatever you know and what i've learned i've I've tried to like really grow into and embrace is that no matter what the medium no matter the material like it's still something that is in your imagination and you have to create Mm. and that in and of itself is uh is the actor's responsibility it's important you know, and I don't care if it's for seven people in a theater in Hollywood 
for like a script that's mediocre or it's um you know a a, a movie that's going to be a academy award nominee like the the reality of it as we see great actors can sell it and i think it puts the art at such a disadvantage when you see sort of actors who are in snuff but kind of rolling their eyes mm-hmm. and and people who see a fair amount of movies can be like i don't know i didn't really feel it from that actor in that yeah. action movie well it's because they're fulfilling a studio contract yeah whereas i don't know the actors i respect is like look this is the project i'm doing now this i'm gonna bring a strong sense of excellence to this right now and for me that's like whether i'm in a commercial audition or i'm doing a um you know play um, in Hollywood or I'm doing a TV show and have one line in the episode or whatever, like I'm going to bring everything I have, not, not because it's going to help my career. It might, but I'm going to do it because I have a sense of excellence about my craft. And it's, you know, uh, listeners, uh, of both podcasts know that I frequently bring up that my favorite actor is Robert Duvall and Robert Duvall was in the Godfather network Apocalypse Now, The Uh-oh. Apostle, a civil action. You know, it's uh, people don't mention the civil action, but he's great in it. Uh, respectable films. Yeah. And he's amazing in them. Then he's in a movie like Gone in 60 Seconds. Right. The Sixth Day, Kicking and Screaming. And he's great in those. Yes. Because he commits. Like, you could look at the script you could look at the script of the sixth day and rightfully say, Okay, okay, I think I get this. I all right. I know what I have to do and I'm gonna do the minimum. Right. But he doesn't. He turns in a great performance and actually raises the whole film. Yeah. He re- he elevates the material. Like that's what an actor can do if they commit to it. Right. I had a I have a friend and he he knows who he is. He listens to this. Um and he and I've had this discussion and I won't say his name. But uh he was in a play in Hollywood and it wasn't really a it was a collection of scenes that all had a similar theme underneath and he was in 3 of them. In the last one, it was and most of the scenes by the way were not very good. The last scene was quite good and he was in that and he had a substantial role and he was very very good in it. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, who just showed up?" Wow. Because in the first two scenes and maybe it was because this is he was a friend of mine, but in watching him, it's like he doesn't believe in this material. Like I can tell he doesn't wow. believe in this material. And then in the last scene, it's like, oh, he believes in this material, and rightfully so, it's good. But he needed, but he needed to sell that earlier material, and it's something wow. he and I have talked about. But it's like it, it it's as obvious. It, it can be incredibly obvious. And if you're, you know, the audience is going to take its cues from you. If you're rolling your eyes, what are they? What are they going to do? Right. So and you know and, and there's, I think, you get to a point where your taste then is like dictating the audience's uh, experience, mm-hmm. and that should never be the case. I yeah. don't care if you're acting, you know, in kicking or screaming or whatever. Like, give y- your job is not to to say whether or not you would see this as an audience member. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, you went to see this. Good for you. I wouldn't pay money. In fact, right. I, I, they're paying me. That's the only reason I'm involved. Um, and it's 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 good that you mentioned uh, commercials because uh, you've been fairly prominent in some pretty big commercials. Yeah, it's been uh, kind of fun because commercials 
some commercials I've been in have never aired, which is kind of funny hmm. because you get like excited about something or whatever. But I've, as I've kind of grown, I've learned that the advertising world is, is crazy, you yeah. know, crazier than Hollywood in some ways. But, um, some of your more than one less lesson diehards. Do you have a name for your diehards? That would be fun. I, no, I don't. Oh, I just man. call them my listeners, and I'm even reluctant to say that. Do you know how like some podcasts or like shows have like kind of clever names? Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I, I don't want to put you on the spot because I can see you're looking. You're trying I'm to thinking, think of. I'm trying a to think of one now, but listeners. I'm trying to think of something that doesn't insult anyone, whether it be me or them. Right. <laughs> okay. I'll, wor- I'll work so on you it. Think and about I'll, that. I'll report back. No, so I did. So when I first got out here, I did this um, commercial for the Taco Bell Chipotle grilled stuffed burrito. Mm-hmm. Do you remember seeing that one? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a huge hit, so I'm kind of surprised. But <laughs> <laughs> I like it the was, guy who gets <laughs> egotistical about his commercial. I campaign. know. <laughs> um, no, isn't that the funny like cliche of an actor who's like egotistical about a thirty I'm second? It's kind of exciting, you know. Um, but so that was like the first one that I did that was like a national, national commercial in that it was on um, like three or four times during major football games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there's your problem right there. See, I don't. Right. You're not watching that. Um, <laughs> but I did um, the most recent one that was like really popular and was runner up on commercial of the year. I believe it was on TBS. Okay. It was one of those things that runs like the day after Christmas at like 9 p.m. and Nick Cannon hosts it. Something like oh, okay. that. But it was um, the commercial where Aretha Franklin's eating a Snickers bar. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, eat this. And she bites into it and she becomes me. And they're like, you're so cranky when you're a diva. And I'm like, oh, I feel better now. Yeah. That was it. That's it was a, really that's magical. A good commercial. And I do remember it's one of, you know, it's one of those things where. I think I first saw it before we were like really talking. Right. Or maybe we had had, uh, <laughs> this is how self-serving I am. Uh, I think we had, uh, we'd had lunch by that time. And then I saw like, hey, what's the Snickers commercial? Hey, it's Toby. Yeah. Oh, this is a big commercial. I better get him on the show soon. Because <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I, it always comes back to me. Uh, but you also, uh, I just mentioned that I don't watch football. I believe you were in a very notable and a very well-made commercial for, was it ESPN or the NFL? So it was NFL.com. Okay. Technically is what it was, but it was, it was, I feel like there were several other tie-ins. But yeah, it was on during the Super Bowl last year. Probably the best, com- in my opinion, the best commercial I've been in. It's really good. From, a, from like a directing standpoint. I mean, I'm in it, but I don't, it's not all about me. <laughs> but I'm basically like, uh, it was on during the Super Bowl last year and I'm, have this uh, phone and I'm kind of or I'm the TV I'm watching on the TV the Jets game and then I put it like into an iPad and then a phone and then a laptop and I kind of walk through the seasons and they did a kind of one shot thing and they put it through the seasons and Christian Beck, I don't know how to pronounce his last name so I mumbled it okay. but he uh he was the director on that and he's a a young guy who is unbelievably talented you look at like some of his other commercials he's done and some like uh, music videos and short films i think he's gonna like just skyrocket so i it was definitely a commercial where i go wow that was really well done yeah um but and so that happy. was uh and you were fun. you were front and center in that i was front, i mean there was one actor in it and i was it so exactly there you go. <laughs> <laughs> i had a question about the uh the snickers commercial regarding yeah. you know it's 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 cool that you're uh you know feature very prominently uh did you, but it occurred to me like, 
hey, wow, Aretha Franklin. Although the probably the one guy in that commercial that wouldn't have met her was you. Right. Because she becomes you. Yes. But I did meet her. You did get to meet her. And okay. there's a cut of that commercial where uh, Liza Minnelli comes in at the end. One of the other guys becomes Liza Minnelli. Huh. Um, and so there was one point where I was hanging out with Aretha Franklin and Liza Minnelli at the same time. Wow. I think it just blew everyone's mind. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because you've been in, you've been in like the social network. Right. But it was in a commercial that you met Oscar winner <laughs> Liza Minnelli and superstar Aretha Franklin, right. who I know primarily from the Blues Brothers. Yes. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, no one would think that. Commercials are awesome. You know, it was a, and that's the kind of cool thing about commercials is that like, it gives you a chance to work with like some cool people and, and do some uh, interesting mm-hmm. things. And it's a good uh, way to get paid as an actor, yeah. you know, but I thought those women actually, particularly Aretha Franklin did a nice job in that commercial mm-hmm. that made it uber popular. Yeah. Um, I mean, just from being like a commercial, you see a few times, you go, Oh, I kind of remember that thing to people being like, Oh, I love Aretha Franklin. Yeah. You know, which was kind of a fun reaction. I got to, to share with uh, my friends and family. And they, they say, I love, Are- you know, people watch and they're like, I love Aretha Franklin, but now Aretha Franklin's this guy, but now I love him because he was Aretha Franklin. <laughs> that's right. That's, I assume that's how people think. I mean, and that's the first thing I tell people when I introduce myself. I was Aretha Franklin. I was Aretha Franklin, and here's the footage, and I just pull out my <laughs> iPad and show them. <laughs> to, to I like that you've got it on a, that's kind of your business card, right? Just, you got an iPad with all your commercials, you know, queued oh, up. Oh, man. I have, yeah, it's on like Vimeo somewhere, <laughs> but I don't, uh, I try not to, try not to lead with that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, I guess probably not. You've right. been in other things, as it turns out. Um now I do want to uh, We got uh, kind of sidetracked by commercials But that's But it does speak to very much What you're talking about And something that I think is a A very important message One thing that I You know it's For any Christian artists uh, Listening uh, Specifically right now Actors um, Yeah The idea of committing to material There is no material Easier to dismiss Than a commercial mm-hmm. You know I'm selling toothpaste I'm selling Snickers Chipotle Whatever um, It's just like there is no character development in this. There's like, well, true, but that almost, if you look at it the right way, that can almost be freeing. Right. That allows you to do more stuff. You know, you don't have to worry about an arc. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the, uh, the thing about like being, um, I don't know, in a play or a, or a movie or whatever, you know, it's about like, uh, if you're a lead in, in something, you know, you have to, uh, play out this full arc whereas um i think personally it's a it's harder to come in for one day mm-hmm. be around a bunch of people you don't know and to live honestly under the lights for 45 seconds and then go mm-hmm. home and like no one knows your name yeah you know um i i i, I find that that just like stretches my artistic muscles a lot i mean that's the whole thing yeah. about acting is that a lot of people i think are good actors um it's the uh like doing it on cue it's the doing um it's like the flexibility of it like that's where the craft comes that's where like the discipline comes in right um do you ever uh you know you hear stories about somebody who got uh 
who is part of often like a series of commercials. Right. You know, they're a recurring person who shows up. Um, not You don't hear very much with someone who's in one commercial, but if it's a popular enough commercial, you hear actors talk about like kind of having to overcome that hurdle when they're going in for like real parts. Um, yeah. Is that something you've you've encountered at all? Yeah. The short answer is I don't know. Okay. I've thought about that a lot. Um, and I spent the first half of this year doing a TV show that we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, so that kind of took me out of the the sort of commercial game for a period. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it may have pigeonholed me, and it. it's something I've tossed around quite a bit. Of like, maybe it's time to to step away from commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that happens as much because there's just more production these days and there's cable TV and like I've been in a lot of commercials that I'm in it so quickly that you like my mom doesn't even recognize it. Hmm. You know, I'm just eating a chip and it's gone. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if that happens as much unless you're like the Verizon guy or you get like a spokesperson thing. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean it's, it's, it's definitely food for thought and it's, uh, for me, I want to do what I really love to watch, and that's great movies, like those mm-hmm. movies we mentioned earlier. Um, so, eventually, I will I will leave commercials. I'm not entirely sure what the timing is going to be. I mean, it's a whole yeah. like conversation about art and commerce as well. Yeah. You see George Clooney doing commercials for a watch in China, yeah. so he can do syriana for a couple bucks yeah. over here you know to get it produced whatever so i mean i think it's a it's a valid conversation you should mm-hmm. start another podcast called like millions of dollars lessons <laughs> all about art and commerce and how people balance those that's what i need to do is start another show that's <laughs> there's no question about it uh so. yeah i don't think you have enough shows on your on your slate i want Here's my dream. Yeah. I want a nomination in every category. All 22 categories, I want a show in there of the podcast awards. You're telling me there are 22 categories? Yeah. What? So you're like a faith category or something to that effect? uh, Religious inspiration, yes. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm pretty sure you got it locked up. I don't. Here's why. Okay. Uh, Because uh, the... At this point, it's you win by getting this uh, number of votes. More right. than one lesson does not have a large audience. Yeah. I'm trying to build it by doing episodes more frequently, which yeah. is always how you'll get more more listeners. Hmm. Um, as it turns out, once every four or five weeks just somehow isn't enough. That's not the consistency people look for. <laughs> um, but uh, but in in you know the last month or two, I've put out episodes more frequently and, and certainly, and sure enough, the numbers have risen. Yeah. And so, uh, but it's, it certainly is not enough that even if all of my listeners were to, uh, even if all of my listeners were to vote every day, right. Um, I don't think I would, I would get it, but yeah. So, but nonetheless, you know, it's, it's cool to have been nominated, but somehow I, I don't think it'll happen unless, and this is what I, what I'm hoping. If the people who come in, if, if battleship pretension listeners come in to vote for BP and on their way out, they vote for more than one lesson, then I might win. Then you might win. Absolutely. Which is why I'm really playing it up on that, on that show. You know what? I'm going to stroke your ego here right on your oh, show. Thanks buddy. So more than one lesson. First of all, people need to know that's a fantastic title. Like Thank I grew you. up in the church. Okay. And 
it is a simple and convenient thing to like package movies, stories, the gospel into like one takeaway. Mm-hmm. And that's, you do the opposite of that here. I think this show is important for people who are particularly outside of LA and New York, mm-hmm. who are not um, around like the film industry frequently mm-hmm. and have backgrounds of faith to discuss films with a theological outlook. I mean, I think if I listen to this show growing up, it would have like generated discussion in my brain that would have been so much more advanced than should Christians get show their butts on screen, <laughs> which is like the beginning and end of what it means to be an actor or an yeah. artist or whatever. You know, it's just like the conversation in youth groups across America. Well, I'll speak for my own. In my youth group was very primitive. I would say uh, in some, I, I consider myself incredibly fortunate, if not blessed to have gone to the churches that I've gone to hmm. and if, and to have had the parents that I had. Right. Um, because, because I grew up in the Nazarene denomination and based on what other people have said, they're like, oh man, the church, the Nazarene church I went to, no dancing, no singing, no movies. And I was like, really? Huh? What was going on with my church? Or, you know, that they, that they were okay. And don't get me wrong. I had a, a youth pastor who, uh, I've, I've mentioned him in my testimony episode. He's unfortunately in the last few months, he actually uh, just passed away. It's uh, quite sad, but he, uh, he actually was a, a no rated R guy. Yeah. And, uh, but what was interesting is he even as a youth pastor who's in, who's in charge of, of, of younger people, he didn't throw that out there a lot. Right. He, that was his thing. He did not insist that you do it. Yeah. And I liked that. Yeah. It's something I didn't realize until much later that like mm-hmm. it would have been it's so easy. And based on what other people have said, their youth pastor is very much like, if you see a rated R, you know, avoid that rated R. It's worldly. It's, you know, whatever. And the fact that he didn't do that. Right. Is something that impresses that retroactively impresses me. Yeah. Um, and and so yes, I think I was very fortunate to go to the churches that I went to and had parents who recommended movies that you know parents don't recommend. A Fish <laughs> Called Wanda usually. Yeah. My parents did, and it's an awesome movie. I'm so happy I've seen it. Right. But uh, but yeah, and actually, I, thank you. I appreciate the nice things that you said. Absolutely. I've got a name now for. Oh yes. And it might it might be a little too punny. So maybe we test drive it. Give it a shot. Lessoners. Lessoners. I like that. It's like lesson and it's like listeners. I like it. Lessoners. Your lessoners. Yeah. Dude, that's that's nice. That's nice. Because those people I came like, up with it a moment ago. You yeah. might have caught the pause and the expression on my face of like, oh there it is. So anyway. But uh, I'm sorry I interrupted you were gonna No, just uh, agree with that and to, to put it out to your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. That feels good. That feels good to me. Um, you know, I think that like the more we can take the conversation away from I don't see movies with X amount of curses or I don't see uh, movies with this or violence or nudity or or, or whatever mm-hmm. into a into a wider narrative about um, kind of just seeing it from a 
from a more story-based perspective, you know, stuff you always, you, you talk about here. Um, I think that like your youth pastor, mm-hmm. um, that broadens the conversation, even if you have set a boundary for yourself. And I think that's fantastic. Like my parents won't see certain types of movies, not because they're like morally offended by them, so to speak, but it's just not their bag. Right. And that's totally okay. That's cool. Um, but I think that like making hard and fast rules is, uh, is a mistake because as you and I know, like the people that are rating the movies, that is changing all the time. And it's inconsistent. What's that documentary they did? This film is not yet rated. Yes. Yeah. Not the best documentary by the way, but interesting. Certainly. The concept is interesting about like, yeah, just the rating system. And I think that it's important for us to, to get into that conversation. It requires, I think I've said this on the show before, uh, I, I, it's something I've been saying for the last couple of years, uh, but I'm not sure if I actually said it on the show, so I'll say it now. Um, sorry if I'm repeating myself. Um, it's all about, the, the tagline for this show is movie talk for the discerning Christian. Right. Discerning is the operative word. And I don't mean to put this out there like, like I've got it worked out, uh, far from it, but to merely say, don't see anything rated R. There's nothing discerning about that. Right. That's easy. That's, you know, it's just like, okay, it's... What I've said on the show before is extremes are easy. And an extreme is saying, no rated R. Nothing, ever. That's an extreme. And you, it might... The word hurt is maybe... It might be difficult to sacrifice R-rated movies, but philosophically, it's easier. Right. Because philosophically, it's like, well, now I know that no matter what happens, I'm not seeing rated R. It might mean that I don't see movies, some movies that look interesting, but you know what? I've, I've, I've drawn a line in the sand. It's like, that's fine. And I think, I think everybody should know what is good and not good for them. Mm -hmm. I certainly know what's good and not good for me. Right. Um, as somebody who struggled with this and that, but, uh, but that's, that's a personal thing. Um, but discernment is difficult. It's very right. difficult. It requires wisdom, prayer, self, an incredible degree of self-awareness, yeah, and a, and a certain degree of artistic appreciation, and just realizing like, okay, this movie's rated R for language and violence. Well, it's a war movie, right? If I, if my friends were getting their faces blown off like this graphic depiction here, yeah, I might throw out a, the F word. Yeah, you know, it's it's stuff like that. It's 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 meeting the as I've said on both podcasts. It's meeting the film where it is at and right. understanding what's it what it's trying to do, rather than require that every film do what you want it to do. Right. Um, well said. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm just saying it's show's been nominated. Um, Thanks <laughs> to you, listeners. I really like that this is happening. I really appreciate it. See, you, you've made history now because now oh, that this, yeah. I hope this catches on. Okay. So, um, but in the, you know, and, and we've kind of talked about it a little bit already. It sounds like your parents, uh, the, the environment that you were raised in, as far as your family goes, mm-hmm. was from a Christian standpoint, okay with, with movies in general and they were, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. You know, my parents were, um, I don't want to say, I don't know, conservative or liberal is always like, they're tough labels to put on stuff. But um, they were just definitely discerning about what we saw. You know, they wouldn't just like put it into anything, you know, let us see anything. Um, 
put anything in the VCR, which is what we, <laughs> we feel ancient, right? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it's a little fuzzy. Let me push the old tracking button yeah. here. It's like, <laughs> tracking? The tracking. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, that was good, you know, to a certain degree to uh, keep my brothers and I and my, my little sister away from uh, from whatever it is they wanted to see. But I felt like having... As kids grow up, you know, being open to the to the conversation of why we're seeing certain movies and why we're not mm-hmm. is a is a powerful thing. You know, I think about man, I'm going to brutalize this quote. I, I think it was uh, Roger Ebert that said, "Like I love my kids too much to let them see kids movies," hmm. which I thought was fascinating. And then he went on to talk about how kids movies can um, have such trivial life lessons mm-hmm. that they're not good for kids to see. Yeah. And he specifically re- referenced the movie Monster in the House. Did you ever see that? Or Monster? Monster House? Monster House. I like Monster House personally. Well, so his whole thing is that thematically it uh, wasn't um, like life. Mm. And that like the Pixar movies have kind of reinvigorated this thing of like giving our kids like really adult lesson through toys or through... Yeah whatever you know superheroes and so um anyway i just think it's uh that discerning quality is uh is really important and just in i think is relatively new actually Mm -hmm. in different uh backgrounds of faith yeah it's um i mean it's it's kind of exciting uh to see developments because I was under the impression and that for example this show was the only one of its kind there it isn't there are mm. others that are like it yeah and that's exciting to me um, and I think I think slowly but surely as I was as you know we were kind of talking about in the courageous episode that film is getting better right and I think this might this might be wishful thinking but I don't I don't think it is I think uh, the Christian community, or at least a, a a subset of it, is embracing that idea of artistic discernment. Right. And, you know, the idea of like, oh, it's a kid's movie, it must be fine. Okay, but what's it communicating? Hmm. What is it say? Just, when you say fine, it just means, as you say, like, well, there's no swears in it. Okay, but what's it teaching? Right. What is it? And And also, it's... I don't want to make it sound like if a movie is whatever a movie is teaching that depends that that determines whether it's good or bad quite the opposite I say very much the opposite yeah. but um but at the very least it's just like to 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 boil art in general down to possibly offensive elements and and its message and of course if if there are any offensive elements it will completely counteract whatever message is is happening even if you agree with it right but uh but yeah to to look at to look at certain trends in the Christian community and magazines like uh Relevant which um I don't always agree with everything they say by the way mm-hmm. um even from a kind of theological standpoint I don't always agree but just the general ad- idea of like God can use anything I say this in the minisode God can use anything and to say that he can't is to put God in a box. Right. And I think over time, 
Christians have come to recognize like, yeah, the stuff that impacted me most when I was a kid, whether it be on TV or, or movies or even music or literature or whatever, it was it was good. It was well done. Right. And it may even ha- it may have had characters who did stuff I didn't like. But that actually made it more engaging. Mm-hmm. Again, that might be wishful thinking, and it might just be the people that I that I run with. Right. But I, yeah, I'm not really sure. But let's hope. Yeah. You know uh, that that the trend with courageous as far as filmmaking quality that it continues, and in ten to fifteen years, I, I think a Christian film could be a very legitimate uh, subgenre. Mm-hmm. But um, but I did want to kind of further discuss your faith and how it relates to your craft and your choices um, by asking well first there's a, a question that's that's unfortunately almost a little surfacy which is um, but it's one that I, I try to ask uh, Christians when they come on the show yeah. has your faith as far as how people react to you because mm-hmm. um, it's not something you hide right. um, I'm not sure if it's something you trumpet but uh has it? Have you received any sort of? Uh, I don't want to say persecution. That's a little lofty. But have you received any sort of criticism from from people uh, in Hollywood, other actors, writers, producers, whatever, who find out you you believe these things and they're like, oh, ugh. and then they they say something or throw out a little comment out there. Yeah, you know, I think there's. Um, it's a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. There's uh, been people who have been really excited about that because i think we're sort of living at the heart or in the heart of the postmodern culture of like oh that's great you believe that you know everyone kind of has a place at the table Mm -hmm. so there isn't so much an open persecution as there was maybe i don't know 50 years ago Mm -hmm. um but i think there's definitely been people who have disagreed and that's and that's okay Mm -hmm. you know i've learned a lot about um kind of the idea that relationship can often trumpet anything mm-hmm. can eliminate um any kind of uh i don't know negative uh sort of perceptions that people have of christianity mm-hmm. in the way that being out here i've gotten to know a lot of people who just are not like me mm-hmm. at all and um not from my background or ethnicity or sexual orientation Mm -hmm. and to get to know a lot of those people and then to talk about my life and and we begin to share our lives together and they um, understand about my faith and what, what I believe um, a lot of times like the respect is already built there Mm -hmm. so that uh, they see how you treat them. And it's not, uh, it's just, it's not really an, an issue of, persecution mm-hmm. or whatever um and you know yeah and, and i also think that uh people don't realize there are four or five big churches in the la area mm-hmm. that have 80 90 percent of the people that go to them are in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. so there's there's a a lot of believers out here and there's also a lot of people who grew up with that background out here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that those people are, you know, changing the culture of Hollywood or that if people that aren't going to church are 
destroying the fabric of America. Right. You know, but um, it's it's food for thought, definitely. Yeah. And I and I think that is a I think that is a uh, a, a fairly recent development. I'm going to say maybe in the last fifteen twenty years, yeah. um, because a lot of these big churches that you're referring to are fairly fairly young, yeah. like in the last ten to twelve years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's interesting to see more Christians in the entertainment industry uh, and more people in the inter- entertainment industry becoming Christian because right. uh, I do think that this is a city that is that is aware of spirituality. You'll find some some right. hostility uh, in it, but I think it's I think it's people come out here searching for something. Now it might be that they're searching yeah. for success in the entertainment industry, but also I think philosophically they're searching for something. Right. And you know, Christianity offers you know, answers. Mm-hmm. And and so I think uh it's exciting to see what has hap- been happening in the city lately. Absolutely. You know, I always think about that um Madeline Lingle quote that good art is good religion. Hmm. And it always makes me pause and her basis is that if a story is well told the themes of god will come through i i absolutely agree with that right and so and i think that a life well lived has themes of god Mm -hmm. you know like there's a lot of um people i see out here whatever that i have no idea whether they're not they're believers Mm -hmm. but i really respect and like the way that they're going about their careers, their lives, whatever. And that really inspires me to deeper faith. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you see like these, these churches, you see someone with an amazing directing craft, you know, you see someone who has unspeakable kindness at an audition. Mm -hmm. That's uh, really rare Mm -hmm. in kind of a, sort of a cutthroat environment. And that, um, to me at least, it like whispers that God is, God is real and God is working out mm-hmm. here. And it's not in the way that we're all going to kind of become souped up versions of the Christian subculture and be right. like, I don't know, North Nashville on steroids. But we're, uh, I think we're, I'm trying to think maybe Samaria. I don't know. I'm trying to, to think of a good, I mean, we're certainly not like a Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like we're not like a Dallas, Texas where everybody kind of understands what the gospel message is. That's not true, you know, but, um, but like the, uh, the work here being done is, uh, inspiring. Yeah, I I think that it's. Uh, by the way, I'm sure any listeners in Dallas will appreciate the comparison between Dallas and Jerusalem. <laughs> but uh, the <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that a lot of people come out here. Like I said, they're they're searching, and I and I in my experience, I, I know a lot of stand up comedians, and and there is a strain of a certain type of atheism in that community. It's not not a, not all of them are, are like that, and and not all of them are are jerks about it, but. Um, but you do find a sort of defiant attitude. And I think people come here to get away from a certain type of mm. Christianity that quite frankly, I don't endorse. Right. Um, that you'll find, I won't say like, oh, it's all in the South. No, no, no. It's, it's really anywhere. Right. And uh, you'll find it out here too, I'm sure. But, uh, 
but yeah, so like I think people come out here just being like, I just got to get away from that. And much like uh, you and I were talking off mic about uh, author Donald Miller right. and his his book Blue Like Jazz is all about that. You know, him wanting to just get away from like sort of a conservative Christian environment. Right. And oddly enough, he he runs. This is going to sound kind of cheesy. In running away from conservative Christianity, he runs into the arms of God. Right. And I feel like that's something that that is happening and can happen out here. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, like you said, it's 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 inspiring to see the 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 tone of the city uh, changing a little bit. But um, so uh, we've been going longer than I was expecting to, and I don't know why I ever expect to go less than an hour. Uh, but I so I want to move things along because we I'm haven't okay gotten on time so. okay because we haven't gotten to movies or tv shows oh we got your co- we got your commercials covered in those dental videos we were talking about i mean i feel like those are pretty magical so <laughs> but uh but a couple of you know a couple of things real quick um so you've you've done a lot of tv work and you've been in have you been in one feature film like theatrical um Yes. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with the Craigslist killer. I'm not, but I looked it up on uh, Netflix, and it's oh, available nice. on DVD. It's not on Watch Instantly. Otherwise, I absolutely I'm would impressed. have watched it uh, in in pre- preparation for this. Uh, but yes, that's a made-for-TV film, correct? Right. And that was a Lifetime movie. Yeah, that. Uh, okay. I actually can't remember when it came out. Um few months ago oh you know it was in january um, okay but uh but yeah then uh get one other like a uh, real f- big feature which, which is, is the social network the social network right and uh you uh you even if i'm not mistaken i believe you made the trailer absolutely it was uh i mean the whole thing was kind of surreal mm-hmm. based uh purely on david fincher mm-hmm. um and i Originally, actually auditioned for um, the role that Andrew Garfield played, hmm. which is kind of the way Hollywood works. Is like they'll audition a bunch of people, but in reality, like you need someone with a kind of a known mm-hmm. audience and known pedigree to be in a, in a movie like that. And he wasn't incredibly known, but his name was starting to be said. Right, and yeah, I think that there's, and this is kind of my own theory. Um, that when you have been in like some movies that have been the lead in some movies that have been halfway decent, even if not a lot of people saw them, like, and you have a decent or, or great agent and, uh, are kind of like in conversations in those circles, it's easier because you've worked your way up to jump into something like a social network where someone like me, they're like, Oh, do you remember him from his guest starring spot on bones and the Aretha Franklin commercial <laughs> and like people don't know they have no idea you know but anyway I read the script by uh Aaron Sorkin auditioned for that role and then uh they brought me back for a couple other roles and I was like as like they released bits and pieces of the script I thought I remember thinking to myself like this this movie's gonna win best picture I mean knowing David Fincher's work reading Sorkin's stuff it was uh it was just downright impressive. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw the cast list and then going on set and it's the most, it's just a 
bunch of artists really on top of their game. Mm-hmm. Focused, professional, excited. Fincher's totally in it to win it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, this is, uh, really got the sense that it was, it was something special. And I, for those people who haven't seen social network, I'm like a, a small role, but the opening montage scene where they're like showing kids, um, kind of party the, at the, um, Phoenix club, which is like the frat essentially, mm-hmm. um, on campus. Uh, I'm one of those guys and that's the shot from the trailer actually mm-hmm. when I'm like partying or getting ready to party. And then, uh, there's Jesse Eisenberg emails out face mask, which is the first version of Facebook. And I run over and I'm like, Hey, you guys look at this, check it out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was my moment in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, uh, I remember you telling me that, uh, the part I think was, was larger. I think you had a, you were more involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just kind of got, you know, as will frequently happen and got kind of cut down to a much smaller, smaller role. Right. And you kind of expect that. I expected a little bit with, uh, just Fincher's, um, yeah. style, you yeah. know, it, it's like, if you watch those movies, I don't know. And I've become more aware of this actually since working on it. You see movies where like maybe something happens at the end of a scene. That's like a little bit funny. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really necessarily have a lot to do with the scene, but it's like kind of a funny little add on. Yeah. Or you have like, um, kind of an exterior shot or whatever. And as you watch films and become kind of more familiar with them, some of that stuff doesn't serve the story. Right. But it's interesting. It's funny or whatever, you know, whereas, Fincher has so few things in his movie. Well, I would venture to say nothing in his movies don't doesn't drive the story forward. Yeah. He so it has a Hemingway quality and it's like let's just trim all the fat and yeah. uh, just keep going. And that's his whole thing is like no sentimentality, which is what made like Benjamin Button so great. I didn't see it actually. What? I know. You are a film critic. I know, and the other film critics said it wasn't very good. So, well, I think you should see it decide for yourself. Okay. <laughs> it, okay, um, fair enough. I understand. Some people didn't like it. I, I liked it just because it like showed a life mm. and those movies like the Forrest Gump kind of movie. That's hard to do. Yeah. But like I walked away from that movie and was like, I appreciate life as a whole, hmm. not a moment in time that defines my life, but like born being born to death mm-hmm. a little bit actually similar to tree of life but haven't seen that either okay it so just came out on dvd and i'm planning on it you need to get your brad pitt on and see both those movies <laughs> <laughs> have you seen moneyball i did just see moneyball okay, it's my good. favorite movie of the year awesome i will be at some point doing an episode about it that's and, great and it's themes of redemption yeah but awesome. um yeah, he's and he's great in that. If he doesn't get an Oscar nomination, I'm going to be upset. It's he will. A wonderful performance. Yeah. This year, I think especially because it's not that great of a year. But um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so, I, as as terrible as it is, I don't like the idea of brushing past the social network. Um, but uh, you know, and the film wound up not winning picture or even director. Right. That should not have happened. I like King's right. Speech. It's a perfectly fine film. Yeah. But. Uh, director really yeah it just there was such a surge by right. that movie mm-hmm. that uh that it kind of became this uh juggernaut but i don't think anybody expected director um yeah i was uh i mean obviously i was disappointed because i wanted to 
be a part of it. Yeah. Academy Award winning movie. But I think yeah. it was, uh, I think it, I think it was not. I mean, it's the Academy's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's a, it's an, it's an interesting beast. But I think nomination i think that's great so absolutely you know sometimes just being nominated is uh, very uh, <laughs> impressive right um but, right uh, listeners vote listeners yes all right listeners indeed um and oddly enough last year was an it was an odd year because in winter's bone there's a uh, a guy named cody that i went to high school with in missouri and then social network Guy named Toby that there I went to high go. school with in uh, Denver. Who was your buddy in Winter's Bone? He was so you know the main character's like best friend. Yeah, it's her husband. Okay, who like won't let them use the truck. Or right. So okay, cool. and he also had a much larger role that got, got yeah. trimmed down. God, I love that movie. That was great. Amazing film. And if you've if you lived in Southwest Missouri, really, there's a there's a lot to uh, to recognize in that film. Wow. Yeah. But uh, lots of meth in that film, in that uh, in that area, but um, and in the film. But uh, okay, so, but I did I did specifically for for a number of reasons. I, you mentioned you're in a you're on a television show right now, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about that. Um, what is it? How'd you get it? And just just give me the whole rundown. The, the, the whole rundown. Want to know? This is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, go on. I think it's going to become second nature that everyone's going to be like, I'm a listener. <laughs> Um, so the show's called, it's on MTV Monday nights, 1030 called death Valley. Mm-hmm. And we're about six episodes into the 13 episode arc about, um, cops who are chasing zombies, vampires, and werewolves in the San Fernando Valley here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of a zombie land meets Reno 911. Mm-hmm. So the, it's really elements of horror and comedy yeah. together in, in kind of a, wild silly zany ride i always tell people there's one shot in like the second episode of a zombie running up to a cop and he literally punches through the zombie's head and shoots the zombie behind him and it's so it's like over the top kind of fun gore violence etc so i play jamie who's um the sound guy on the camera crew following them because it's all like docu style um so it's it's kind of fun that way, but I'm not like um, one of the leads by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm kind of uh, like a secondary character who's a little bit of the audience in some way of kind of observing what's going on. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's like this past episode, like there was us kind of in the back the whole time, just like staring at the camera, like, are these guys serious? Because a lot of the times the cops are terrible at their jobs, yeah. and my job is to like stay alive amidst their kind of crazy behavior and. Like in the last episode, they were running over zombies at their car and made me so sick that I puked. And that was like this great puke scene on <laughs> in the in the show, which was actually really fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of improv, very, uh, for my character at least, and very um, comedically based. Brian Callen is in it, who's a, who's a mm-hmm. stand-up comic, and a bunch of other actors who you might recognize a little bit, but not necessarily know. I don't remember her name, but she was in Lost. She played Ben's daughter. Right. Alex. Tanya Ramone. What is it? Tanya Ramone. Tanya Ramone. Actually, fantastic actor. Our show's kind of silly. And again, mm. it goes back to like not judging material. But there's some like real moments in it. There's some moments of heart. And she is uh, she's a really strong actor. And it, it serves the, the show a lot. 
It's uh, I watched uh, a couple episodes in preparation and uh, and I enjoyed it. I really liked the concept. Um, you and I were talking about it a little bit uh, before we started recording. We will not go into that uh, discussion because I wanted to focus on some other things. But um, but yeah, just uh, just real quick, it is a, it is a show that I I recommend. Um, I I think it's a little a little raw, but part of me feels like maybe that's kind of the way it should be. That's the less polished it is, kind of the the better. But a lot of the budget I can tell went in, went into the makeup effects, and they're good. They're very good. Yeah. Um, especially with the zombies. Uh, I don't think I saw any werewolves in the episodes that I watched, but uh, I saw some vampires, and um, and yeah, and you had a nice little moment when they, <laughs> because you as the sound man, you've got like headphones on and you've got your mic, and so you hear things that other people don't hear, right. or you hear them in a much more in depth way. And so when they <laughs> run over a zombie's head and it just like splatters, they're like laughing, and then you're in the back looking terrified, and then I think you <laughs> and you say. I, Stroking ego. Now you you deliver your line, and I don't know if you made it, if you improved it, or if it was written. Hey, who's to say? Right. Um, but uh, you're just like that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. <laughs> just that, and it's so quiet that like I don't think I could see some people not totally picking up on it. Right. But because you weren't saying you weren't saying it for the benefit of those guys. That was almost like you've had a realization and you have to say it out loud to yourself. Right. And, uh, and I like that moment. And so, so yeah, it's, it is interesting having watched the film, the, the show, because, because uh, like you said, you're not a lead, but you're there the whole time. Right. And uh, that's, in a way that kind of takes some of the pressure off of you and yeah. you can just kind of be what you want to be. Right. And kind of comment on what's going on. Yeah. You know, a lot of times the writers will write to that, but a lot of times, uh, you know, once we've got a couple takes in it, I'll just like say whatever is going through my head, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I mean, all the credit to the, um, producers and and directors that we had on because they were, uh, they've kind of embraced this secondary character of mine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I feel really grateful for that. And I think that, um, I'm not 100% sure, but if we come back for a, a second season, which we'll find out in the next couple of weeks, um, to see where the Jamie character goes and what happens, you know, I'm excited about the, uh, the potential of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, it's, it's not, uh, yeah, like a particularly flashy role, you know, but, uh, I, I mean, that's like from a, a theater background, you know, like that's kind of the money. Like if you can, and I think of Robert Duvall, not to directly compare myself to him, but I'm going to. Well, you, you mentioned Clooney <laughs> earlier, and now right. we've got Duvall, so I think we're in good shape. But he just, uh, he just disappears mm-hmm. on screen. So all you see is this character. Yeah. You know, and like that, um, I'm learning as an actor, you know, there's a big tendency to want to push stuff. Right. And that's a lot of what I'm learning, particularly in a genre that can be pushed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, this is comedy. Like, I'm going to push it until I can feel a laugh track happen in my yeah. head. And, it, yeah, it's comedy and horror, two right. extreme, potentially extreme genres, yeah. I think um, Jesse Eisenberg in Zombieland is actually a great example. Mm-hmm. Of like playing it very, and even Emma Stone, you know, I thought she, I, I thought everybody in that movie was actually great, and that's uh, important in those things where over the top things are happening around you to stay grounded, and I think our show actually does a pretty good job of that. 
Yeah, and you know, and that uh, that's that's absolutely true because there there was a great deal of pressure on Jesse in Zombieland on Jesse Eisenberg and Emma Stone and even uh, Abigail Breslin mm. because. Woody Harrelson is he and the zombies are over the top. Right. They're the extreme. And so that means it's like, okay, well I if I go too extreme, then I'm just one more extreme thing and we need an entry point for the audience. And the guys mm. in uh in the show that you're writing along with, both of them are extreme in their own way. Right. And the situation is extreme. So a character like yours, I'm not even saying this because you play him, whoever played that character needs to know how to dial it down so that, like you said, you're sort of the audience surrogate. Mm-hmm. You're the person that as ho- like we're horrified and you're horrified. And, uh, and so we kind of take our cues from you, you can still, you know, have some comedic moments in there with the reactions, but, uh, but yeah, it's actually, it's, it's a secondary character, but that doesn't mean he's less important. Uh, in many ways, I'd say he's not more important than the leads, but as important, you know, it, it's kind of the thing that they, that they say with comedy, right. um, in the, in the old, like comedy duos. Um, I don't know if this is true, but the rumor is that the straight man got paid more than the funny guy. Like Abbott got got paid more than Costello. That's interesting because Costello was great, but Abbott provides context, right? And he's the one who, first off, he's not laughing, and se- yeah. and that in itself is a big deal. But also, he's the one who he is being he's sort of being reacted to. Right. He has to say the thing that causes you know Lou Costello to go crazy. Both of them were great. I don't mean to say that one's more than the other, but like if you don't have the, the straight guy. Yeah. Then it 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 lo- it's it's like you said it's not grounded anymore. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of cool the uh, the part that you got. Absolutely, you know, and that's uh thank you for saying that. And um I mean that's to me what great comedy does. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like to uh to to play the honesty of the moment. I mean, mm-hmm. that's I think what great acting does. But uh of course comedy provides a context of crazy zombie werewolf things happening all around you and and to play that honestly as truly how like Jennifer Aniston, Jason Bateman, how these people make a living is like they can be themselves Mm -hmm. in this in craziness and um, who they are is just funny. It just comes out. Jason Bateman is a great, it's a great example. I, I'm not a huge fan of Jennifer Aniston, but she's good and she delivers, I think. Absolutely. Um, but Jason Bateman's a good example, of, especially in something, of course, like Arrested Development, where everybody is so crazy. Everybody is so over the top in whatever it is they're doing. Even Michael Sarah, who I think he's wonderful in right. that show, but even he's, you know, he has kind of some quirks and, and that sort of thing. Jason Bateman is definitely our, the audience surrogate and... But what's interesting is just in pointing out what we all know, he gets a laugh. Right. But he's not pushing for the laugh, you know, right. in the same way of you saying, you know. So now, okay, so we got George Clooney, <laughs> Robert Duvall, and Jason Bateman. You're like the perfect embodiment of all three. And, uh, and so, um, and so, you know, you just saying quietly to yourself, not for anybody's benefit but your own, just a statement of fact, that's the most disgusting sound I've ever heard. You know, that gets a laugh, but it's not meant to get a huge laugh. It's just, right. I, I need to say this. 
because yeah. it needs to just be said. That was the most disgusting thing I've ever I've ever heard. Um, but uh, but I also wanted to talk about because the f- the the show does feature elements of the occult, which right. is vampires, werewolves, and so I I don't know if you if you heard my uh, the episode where I talked to Doug Jones, mm-hmm. but he's a guy who of course I mean he's been in all kinds of stuff like that. He was in Hocus Pocus. He was in Pan's Labyrinth. He's been in a lot of and he was in. Uh, the terrible film Legion. Uh, and so, and he's gotten some flack from other Christians for being in huh. things that glamorize or one could say celebrate or in the, in the, you know, in a situation of like uh, death Valley sort of demythologizes and the, the occult and makes it not such a big deal. Right. Um, now I personally don't, believe that but have you run across anybody who thinks that uh the you know the show's not a huge not a huge hit i think it's got an audience but uh but i don't know if a lot of christians are watching it anyway but have you run across anybody who's put anything out there um not straightforward to my face Mm -hmm. um i think they're uh they're definitely out there and i i honestly don't have a great answer okay I uh I wish I did have like a uh like a tight theological argument. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that the uh yeah, I mean a few things come to mind is that if you're in any way telling a human story, mm-hmm. it there's really elements of courage and hope and love and bravery and all these uh things that great stories shine a light on Mm -hmm. and even you know um i think of the hellboy movies yeah that doug was in and well i'm not on a first name basis with him i don't know why i did that that's such a you know what here's what i'll say (laughs) is uh you may not know him but you're on a first name basis with him because he's that type of person all right when he first came into the apartment i went to shake his his hand he's like oh we don't do that and he gave me a big hug and uh, that's just what he does and so i have no doubt that if anybody (laughs) wouldn't have a problem with a complete stranger referring to him by his first name it would probably be doug jones probably be doug he's pretty casual so dougie and i no i'm joking (laughs) (laughs) um i remember Gosh, I think it was my dad, and I don't know if he would. Uh, I don't. He wouldn't be upset by this, but he saw a billboard for Hellboy or Hellboy Two, and was like, oh, "I'm not seeing that." Was Hellboy? What is that? What is that? Mm-hmm. You know, and like I get that. You know, like you don't really know what that's about. Yeah. You know, by the by, a kind of a demon on a billboard. But as you know, that I I thought Hellboy Two particularly was really like a a really human story. Mm-hmm. And then you get into Pan's Labyrinth and stuff like that. Um, and so what, yeah, we're doing like a, a comedy version of that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, to go back to, to what you're saying, like, I think if the storytelling is good, then it doesn't matter too much. No. Um, and I think that like any beginning TV show, we've had some fantastic moments and we've had some moments that we're learning from. Yeah. Um, and to find that balance in ultimately a corporate environment. And I think that's what people outside of Hollywood sometimes forget is that you can have the best intentions ever, but you're in a corporate environment and you need to sell. Mm-hmm. You need to sell something. And it's not really that different 
whether you're working for MTV or you're working for Bank of America or you're working for whatever mm-hmm. company, like you may you may not get your ideal situation. You know, but I think it's a matter of staying after it, being in a clear communication, you know. And I say that to say no one is trying to put out a TV show that offends anyone. Mm-hmm. Quite the opposite, actually. They're trying to put out something that's edgy and entertaining. But if people are massively offended by it because it's a cult, they would take it off the air. Right. Um, so, yeah, they're trying to shine the light on um, the things that have made other uh, projects in that sort of genre, like a zombie land or Reno 911, trying to shine a light on the, those things that are universally human rather than universally offensive. Yeah. And that's a, and I understand that people, um, may be offended by certain elements of it. And that's, that's okay. You know, it's, it's really not, not for everyone, but I, I can, uh, I can promise you that, uh, there's not malicious intent behind it. And I do think that is something that uh, the Christian community sometimes forgets. They, you know, they'll, they'll, you know what? I'll say we, I'm sure I've done it too. Like yeah. I, I got to stop saying they, um, you know, we sometimes approach Hollywood, which is not a Christian place. It's not necessarily anti-Christian, but it is not a overtly Christian place. They don't necessarily share our values or our beliefs. And so they'll they'll put out a product that they believe in, right? Which might contradict what we believe in, but they're not doing it at us, right? They're not doing it to us, as if to say, "Screw you." Every once in a while, you'll find you will find a project that kind of uh, holds uh, Christians' feet to the fire, you know. And uh, and sometimes that bothers me. Sometimes it doesn't. Chances are, if, if if they're holding our feet to the fire on a specific thing, chances are it's because we haven't really delivered a, a message about that well. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's not. They're not looking to hurt you. You know, they're right. not looking to offend you. If you get offended, I'm not saying you're wrong to get offended, but to assume, as you said, malicious intent, yeah. I think is is maybe incorrect. Um, right. And I and I think people. I don't know. The conversation that I've had with some uh, believers out here has been like um, a little bit of, you know, how do we, how do we change Hollywood or how do we like make it a mission field and stuff like that. And that, um, those are, that's good. That's a good starting point. But you have to realize people, art comes from the heart and oftentimes it gets blurred by the pocketbook. Mm Mm-hmm. But a lot of times the initial like artistic offering is really from someone's heart and whatever's in there is going to come out. So if we have people that are living examples of, of truth and love and courage and justice and kindness and all goodness and all the other fruits of the spirit, et cetera, et cetera, um, that, that rubs off on people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, uh, it's, it's infectious, you know? And so to, I just don't think there's any place to be like, look what they're doing right out here. And, or I, I mean, I could definitely not say that because I, I'm a part of that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it can easily get into an us versus them mentality. And there is, 
not an us versus them. Right. And that's, uh, you can go back to, uh, more than one lesson mini. So number one entitled us and them. Hmm. And, uh, because yeah, that is, that is something that the more I've, I've come to realize that there have been people that have been rude to me that, that have insulted me online and otherwise. And, uh, and my, my first reaction is to get defensive and, you know, and don't get me wrong. Like no one likes somebody that's rude, but my first instinct is like, Oh, they're, they're just, you know, blah, blah. And ba- just, I looked for deeper reasons to dismiss them than merely they treated me poorly. Right. Um, like I tried to take that and say, well, it's indicative of this much deeper thing. And she's like, yeah, but I'm kind of the same way in some right. ways. And so just, it, to kind of keep in mind, like, yeah, we're all sort of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and to demonize Hollywood specifically because it doesn't reflect your values is probably not the best because there's probably a time when you yourself didn't reflect your values. And right. chances are, even now, there are t- things that you do that don't reflect what you believe to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I also wanted to kind of end with, uh, I wanted to end on something that you that you we're talking about, which is, I remember my, my mom, and again, like I said, she's been very supportive, but back, uh, when I was, uh, you know, trying to make films and I was writing stuff, um, my mom would, you know, say stuff like, well, why can't you do nice things? Like, aren't right. you, you know, aren't you worried that you're gonna, that you'll make something like this and I, something like really like offensive or, or violent or mean spirited or whatever. And I remember, cause I had written a, a rather violent film noir, um, and, and I remember saying like, well, you know, here's the thing while I, while I do believe that, a that a Christian of any, uh, with any profession should always be looking at their motivations and, and that sort of thing and their output. If you are following God and that's, and you're sincerely doing that and you mm-hmm. want to do that and then you're, then you're writing a script I really don't think those two are not going to be related. Right. Even if the script has violence, even if it has swearing, even if it if it has sex, like the inner, like it's, like you said, it comes from the heart. It comes from a, a sincere place. And if God is in your heart, then it will it will shine through regardless of what the content is. Like the truth with the capital T, I think will will come out. Right. And I and that's something that I like about uh, about your attitude towards death Valley is yeah. You know, you maybe maybe don't stand behind all the, you know, occult stuff, but at the same time you recognize there's no malicious intent. It's just looking to entertain. And you yourself are looking to connect on a human level to create right. something out of this character. Who's just, you know, on the page, not much of a character, but you've managed to do something with him because you want to do something with him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, just commitment to the to the art and trying to make your part of it better like isn't that what christians are called to do in any profession right so you know i really i do think that hollywood and and art and creation like isn't that much different than any other industry we're just uh exported everywhere Mm -hmm. you know and people can see it easily yeah and i read this one quote i don't know exactly what it is like hollywood is one of the main exports like entertainment to the rest of the world um 
And so I think that uh, that has a culture shaping quality to it. Um, but at the same time, you know, we can't. Well, a it's it's important that people who are believers and maybe have a problem with Hollywood or whatever don't just write it off. Right. That they come out here and get involved and get in the conversation. Yeah. And let's let's give us your give us your art. You know, that's uh, everybody's got something in them. You know, and if you're a, a screenwriter or whatever actor director, and you're um, not out here and critiquing from afar, like that's I don't know if you really get a say. You know, because you're not in the in it with us. I do. I think. I think everybody gets a say, but there is that old uh, adage that I think uh, uh, my film nerd friends are going to be disappointed in me. I think it's Godard, but I'm not sure. Who says that? Like the best way to critique a film is to make another film, right? You know, and if now I, you know, I feel called to criticism. So who am I to say, you know? <laughs> right. What am I to who am I to say if that's true or not? But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think they get a say, but at the same time, like. What I will say is if you if you just condemn Hollywood having seen maybe only a handful of films, right. I'm not saying you have to come you, you have to come out and do that, but at the very least know what you're talking about. Right. Just, even if it just means watching more movies. Yeah. And and watching the good movies, the ones that Hollywood stands behind. Right. Old new, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you want to go back How about this? Go back watch Lawrence of Arabia. Mhm. You have any problems with that? I didn't think so. Yeah. You know, it just and then you'll real, you know, ed- sort of educate yourself. And I, I am of the opinion: the more you educate yourself about something, the more you'll understand it. That doesn't mean approve, right? But the more you'll understand it, and the more you understand it, I think the more patient you'll be towards it, and the more loving you'll be towards it, right? But, uh, but yeah. So, all right, we're gonna end there. Toby, yes, you're an online presence. <laughs> all right, we all know it. <laughs> and uh you've got uh you've got fan pages all over the place and um and so where can people find you online my website's probably the easiest tobymiley.com t o b y m is in mary e u l i would you ever have gotten that from my spelling miley miley oh no i i yeah. no i remember from the early days early really days, hating yeah. your last name <laughs> Just man, but I'm on the uh, the Facebook and the Twitter as well. Same okay. name, Toby Miley. Sounds like Muley, Miley like Cyrus. And uh, yeah, hit me up there. Follow me. Poke me. Tweet me. Easy there. I, no, I feel on like on Facebook you poke each other. I don't. I don't like this at all. You know Dude, what? I was wrong. The internet. I don't want any what? part of it. Let me tell you what. I was in a little movie called The Social Network, <laughs> and it was all about Facebook. Yeah. So I know about Facebook. Yeah, you know what else you were in? The Craigslist killer. That's right. Think about that. Maybe we shouldn't embrace the internet so much. I'm also on Craigslist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, Death Valley, what what are the the times again for that? So it's Monday nights at, I said 10.30 before, but it's actually at 11. They just changed it. Um, So 11 p.m. It's also, there's a bunch of episodes on MTV.com. And if you like it, Tweet at the producers or tweet at the official page because uh, 
they really do listen to that stuff. It's interesting. I mean, they, I think today is an interesting um, sort of environment where audience members more than ever can have a voice. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you to have a voice, even if you don't like it, say it. All right. And then you can go to morethanonelesson.com uh, for blogs. And uh, there hasn't been a blog written in a while. As it turns out, I'm completely undisciplined as a writer. But, uh, but you can find the mini-sodes and, and various other things. Uh, you can email me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. You can follow me uh, on Twitter. That's at morelessons. Uh, there is a Facebook group. Uh, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but you can find, it on, you can find a link to it on morethanonelesson.com. I know what so. it should be. What's that? Lessoners. Lessoners. Okay, fair enough. Well, that's, that's more of a fan page, I think, um, that, that they would have to create. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, again, wanted to remind everybody, Podcast Awards, go to podcastawards.com. You can vote for me every day. While you're over there, maybe vote for Battleship Pretension as well. I, w- I really appreciate it. Uh, Toby, thanks for being here. Dude, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Star-studded award getting podcast it hasn't gotten any awards yet well just wait okay fair well after this people are gonna yeah. be like the guy from social network people would be like i listened to that for an hour and half or whatever that was the best hour and a half of my life yeah and yet also one of the shorter episodes <laughs> so um okay uh yeah toby thanks for being here uh you bet thanks everybody for listening and i'll get you next time bye